0: Great to see you all here this morning. Welcome to Connect. My name's Dave and I'm the lead pastor here and uh, I want to welcome you all, uh, especially this morning. It's great to have you because we are kicking off a brand new series uh, and it's called The Genius of Jesus. So great day to come and join us. Uh, I know some of you are already wondering what's going on here. We'll get to these in just a second. But um, I, for those who come on a regular basis, for those who know me, you'll know I just love telling stories. Uh, I love listening to stories. I love meeting up with friends and hearing the latest stories they've got to tell. But I do enjoy telling stories as well. Um, I particularly enjoy telling stories as part of my message. When I'm speaking on a Sunday morning, I love being able to tell a story, uh, especially if that... <laughs> I've just seen what's happening here. This mirror's like shining and blinding people. So let's see if we can, uh, I can suddenly see people like, there's that, here, if you're sat right up there, you're in trouble, but everyone else should be okay, so (laughs) you're welcome. (laughs) I could see this head kind of moving every time I moved, it was like following me. I was like, wow, she's really paying attention. Um, So I love using stories because I feel like they, they can really kind of um, help emphasize or illustrate a point that I'm trying to make as I'm talking about kind of sometimes some very deep spiritual things. Um, so I'll often tell a story to illustrate that, and I find that's very helpful. Now, it can be a little bit disheartening at times. Um, this has happened to me a couple of times. I've met someone, and uh, you know I'm chatting with them, and they're like, oh, I, I think I've heard you speak before. I think you came to my church. It was years ago, but I remember you coming to speak. And I was like, oh, really? They're like, yeah, you told that one story about the dog. It was hilarious. And I'm like, yeah, I remember that. And I'll say, you know, do you remember uh, what I was preaching about? You know, what the story with the dog was about? You know, do you remember any of the deep and theological implications of my message? Was I able to open up the scriptures to you in a way that you've never seen them before? Nope, just the dog, but it was a great story. (laughs) And that's the drawback sometimes in stories is people will remember the stories and maybe not remember why the story was told. But stories work so well. I find that if I'm speaking and I start out by saying, this morning I've got a 10-point message we're going to go through. By by point number four, I'm bored. And then suddenly I start to tell a story, and you can see people kind of drawing back towards the stage. I'll see my kids down here as I start to tell a story. They kind of get a little on an edge. They're like, is this going to be one of those stories about us again? You know, but, But stories are just great to illustrate points. And Jesus, the genius of Jesus is that he knew this. The genius of Jesus is that he knew the power of a story. So he actually decided that he was going to present some of the deepest most spiritual truths through stories. In fact the Bible has a word for them. We we call them parables. And really a parable is just a story to illustrate a spiritual point. You know, we have four accounts of the life of Jesus. They're told by four gentlemen by the name of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you can read these four accounts, and they're, they're wonderful because they tell the life of Jesus. They tell about his birth and his death and his resurrection, and they tell about the miracles that he performed. But throughout these four accounts of Jesus' life, they also have a lot of what Jesus said, a lot of what Jesus taught. And people have figured out that of everything we've got in those four letters of what Jesus taught, one-third of it, one-third of the things that Jesus spoke, one-third of the things that Jesus said were in parables. One-third of what Jesus taught was, was in these stories. So he really put a lot of emphasis into these stories. So over the next couple of weeks, six weeks in all, we're going to look at six of these stories. Six of these parables that, that Jesus used to tell us great truths about forgiveness and prayer and how much God loves us and how much he wants to forgive us. Now, there's actually over 40 parables altogether, so we're, we're really just scratching the surface here as we start to look at them. But I think you're going to really enjoy this. You're going to be challenged as we dig into them. But before we even get underway here, can I just, can I just challenge you with one thing? Because maybe you're here this morning, maybe you grew up going to church, maybe you're very familiar with some of the stories and the parables that Jesus told. There is a danger that you will think, well, I know this story. I've heard this story before. I I know what that means. And we'll tune out a little bit because we think, well, because I've heard it once already, I know what this means. But this is the genius of Jesus. The genius of Jesus is that these stories had such depth to them. And there are some very clear meanings to these stories, but these meanings can, can develop and change over time. And even in times of our lives, we can see things in these stories that we may never have seen before. You see, as i was preparing for this series, I came across um, this, this person who illustrated it this way when he was talking about parables and the stories of Jesus. He said, parables, you know, they're kind of like a picture at first. A picture is something that will get your attention. If you're friends with me on Facebook, you'll know that I was looking for a picture yesterday. I'd put it out there, and this is the one that we found. And uh, I apologize if you came, expecting some kind of Bob Ross thing to be going on this morning, but it's not. It's just this. This is all that's happening. It's just this picture. But um, this is kind of how parables are. On first glance, you know, it's like a picture. It catches our attention. We look, and, and we hear this story, and it's like, oh, that's a cool story. It's a story about a dad and a son, and the son runs off with the money, and then he comes back, and dad says, hey, I forgive you. And and on first glance to many, the parables that Jesus told, they were just great stories. Stories that people would look at and think, wow, that's an awesome story. I, I really like that story. That's a good story about what a loving dad that guy is. But the genius of Jesus is that it was more than just a picture. You see, actually, it was kind of like a mirror. As the listeners heard Jesus telling these stories for the first time, they would hear about Father. They would hear about heroes in the story. They would hear about villains in the story. And pretty quickly, some people realized, you know, this isn't just a picture. This is a mirror. In fact, I think those villains he's talking about, I think he means me. I think he's referring to me here. Listen to what happened in Matthew chapter 21, verses 45 through 46. When the leading priests and Pharisees heard this parable, they realized he was telling the story against them. They were the wicked farmers. They wanted to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowds who considered Jesus to be a prophet. The genius of Jesus is that as he told these stories, people started to realize this is more than just a picture. This is a mirror. This is reflecting back something about me. I relate to that person in the story. I can receive forgiveness like that. That's God, and this is me, and it's kind of like a mirror reflecting who we are. And here's the real genius of Jesus. It's more even than just a mirror. It's like a window because every parable, and as we start to look through these parables together, we're, dis- we're going to discover that it's almost like a window that we're going to peer through and we're going to see God Himself. These stories are going to illustrate to us the heart of God Himself. It'll be like a window, this story. And as we peer through this window, we'll start to understand more about the nature and the heart and the love of God. And these parables, for many of us, and, and that's why I challenge you not to kind of switch off and think, well, I know that story. Maybe you just know the picture. Maybe through this series, you'll kind of see it more as a mirror. Maybe some of you will see it as a window, and you'll see God himself through the story. This was the genius of Jesus. You see, the genius is that he used these stories to teach such incredibly deep concepts about faith and forgiveness and prayer and so much more, knowing that initially many people wouldn't get it. But as time came on, they would remember the story, and when their hearts were ready, they would suddenly see something of themselves or God in a story that they'd heard told time and time again. I was thinking about it as I was preparing my message. I came across this recently. I was reading this article, and it was talking about um, a very famous joke Why did the chicken cross the road? Help me out here. Why did the chicken cross the road? That's it, to get to the other side. We all know it. We've all heard this joke a thousand times. Well, I came across this article, and this person was right and said, but do you realize the depth of that joke? And I'm like, no. And the article was pointing out that this chicken, his odds of survival crossing this road were pretty slim, okay? I mean, chickens crossing a major highway, it's not looking good. So why did the chicken cross the road? If his end was, you know, guaranteed to get to the other side. And this person said, what if the other side is the afterlife. That was the purpose. And I'm like, (laughs) because I've never thought of it that way. Now, I don't know if that was the original intent of the writer of the chicken joke. I don't even know who the writer was. If any of us will ever know who came up with the joke first. But I just thought it was a dumb joke. And then suddenly I'm reading this, I'm thinking, whoa, what if that is the depth of that? (laughs) I know you probably all do that already. Like Dave, seriously, how did you not think about that? But for me, I'd never thought of it that way. And I feel like that's what was happening with these parables. People were hearing these stories, and they'd go away. And this was a culture without iPhones and movies and DVDs. So there would be a lot of talking and a lot of telling of stories. And these stories would be told time and time again. And then suddenly, one day, when when somebody's heart was ready, they would hear that story in a way that they'd never heard it before. And this was the genius of Jesus. This is why over a third of his teaching was done through these stories, because he wanted it when the moment was right to just come in and and just change people's lives, to go from not just being a picture but a mirror and a window into the heart and nature of God himself. This was the genius of Jesus. So this morning, together, we're going to look at one of his parables. We're going to kick off this series by looking at one of his parables this morning. And it's a great parable to start with because it kind of sets up the reason behind the stories that Jesus told It's kind of intertwined into the whole idea of why Jesus even taught these parables in the first place. So we're going to look at a particular story, a parable, that three out of the four writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all told, they all recounted the story of this this story that Jesus told, this parable that Jesus told. But we're going to look at it from the context of Mark this morning. So we're going to read um, the letter of Mark, and we're going to start in chapter 4, verse 2. You can follow along on the screens. If you've got a Bible app, you can look it up. If you've got a Bible, you can look it up. It says, in fact, chapter 4, verse 2, He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a father went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. But still other seeds, they fell on fertile soil. And they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear, this is Jesus kind of hinting that there's, there's something deeper here. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, maybe you've heard this story before. In fact, as I was preparing for my message this week, I could, I could remember times in my life when I was a kid, hearing someone teach about this, I think there was some flannel graph involved. I think there was a picture on a board. Maybe there was an overhead projector of some sort. But I remember this story being talked about. So it would be very easy for me to think, oh yeah, I know this story. But now, At this stage of life, I want God to speak to me. Maybe there's something of God that I've not seen in this story before. Maybe there's something of me that I need to see in this story afresh. So join me this morning as we dive into this story. I hope it'll challenge you in a new and fresh way. Now, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but I I love to think that when Jesus was telling these stories, I just picture him. So so in this particular story, there was a crowd of people. There were so many people that he actually went out onto a boat. He he stood on on a boat just away from the shore a little bit, and he was communicating to this whole crowd of people because there were so many people there to hear his story. People from all different backgrounds, all different ways of life, all coming to hear this man teach. And I often wonder if when he was telling these stories, I'm I'm sure there was a lot of planning went into them, but I, I, I really believe that maybe as he starts to tell a story about a farmer, maybe there's a farmer right there. At the very least, there's a field. So as Jesus is telling his story, it's almost like, hey, you know, it'd be like me this morning saying, oh, you know what, it's like a basketball hoop. Imagine a basketball hoop and suddenly I'm taking you. We're sat in a gym this morning. What a great way of of illustrating a point to talk about basketball or a sport or something like that. And he says, listen, imagine this farmer. And even if it was just a field in that particular area, people would know straight away. They'd be dialed in. They'd be very familiar with how a farmer would plant seeds and what that would be like and how some would sprout and some would not. So immediately, he's got their attention, and he tells this story. But then it says, in verse 10, later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. So Jesus has just got done telling this amazing story about seed. He said, he's kind of teasing them a little bit, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And his closest followers, the disciples, they've suddenly realized, do you, do you know what he's talking about? I don't know what he's, he's talking about. You were nodding and saying amen. I figured you know. I didn't know. I was just nodding and saying amen. I, don't, I haven't got a clue what he's going on about. We should ask him or you ask him. I have this thing happens to me on a regular basis. Casey will go out for something, and and before she leaves, she'll give me some instructions. She'll tell me, hey, just, you know, maybe it's the instructions for dinner that night or some stuff to make sure the kids get done. And obviously, I'm giving her my full attention, but there happens to be a laptop open or a phone at the time. And, you know, so I realize about 20 minutes after she's left, I haven't got a clue what we're meant to do. (laughs) So obviously, the sensible thing to do is to call or text Casey and just have her, you know, Go over those instructions again. Well, I would never do that. So uh, Emma, my daughter who's nine, I say, Emma, did you hear what Mum said? Yeah. What was she saying again about the dinner? Is is it a pot? What pot was she talking about? The pot that's on the stove. Oh, great. Yes, thank you, thank you. Where's the pot on the stove? Oh, and what do I do with it? Put it in the oven. Which one's the oven? Is that this one here? How do I? Unfortunately, I've got a nine-year-old who's incredible, and she helps me out, and she figures it all out, and we get it all done, and Casey's not here this morning, so it'll be our little secret. But in that moment... I don't want to be the one going, hey, Case, what do you want me to do? But I feel like that's how the disciples were with Jesus. And so now the, the story's been told and they're all kind of sitting there, um, you know, backstage after the story. They're like, great job, Jesus. High five. Do you see the crowd? The guy in the front row? Yeah. What was it you were talking about? <laughs> what were you going on about? And Jesus, being the, the loving, compassionate person he is, he probably kind of shook his head. He said this in verse 11. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God." But I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And then he actually quotes something from the book of Isaiah. He says, When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? So not very helpful for the disciples, kind of chewing them out a little bit and and almost insinuating that no one's meant to understand them. It's a secret. We can't. And I read this and I'm thinking, Jesus, I'm not sure if this is the best strategy. You've got a great message here. Why wouldn't you want to tell everyone? Why wouldn't you want to make sure that everybody understands? But you see, Jesus is kind of hinting here at something that's, that's very profound. We can look back now and realize what's going on. Because we get to see all of Jesus' life. We get to read every story he ever told. But in the moment, Jesus knew that he was unpacking some incredible truths. And he also knew that he only had a short period of time to do this. So he realized in this moment that it was going to be on on God and the Holy Spirit to, to develop these truths inside these people. In fact, he realized that parables will both reveal and conceal the kingdom depending on the openness on those who have ears to hear jesus was saying listen it's so important that people have ears to hear because there's going to come a point when they're ready to learn more about god and about the messiah and about jesus when when they're ready these parables will open up truths to them but if they're not ready it'll be like a, it'll conceal the truth they won't get it at all The same story will either be a mystery or a revelation, depending on the condition of the heart of the person that hears it. Which is amazing, because that's basically what Jesus is talking about in this parable. He's talking about sowing seed. He's talking about teaching truth. He's talking about sharing truth about God and how it will be received. So in this series, we're going to venture to look at a few different parables, and we're going to try and unpack them and share what we think they mean. But for this particular one, I'm not going to bother because Jesus himself tells us what it means. So let's go with his version. Mark chapter 4, verses 14 to 20, Jesus then explains to his closest followers, to his disciples, so they get it. They're able to kind of connect the dots and see what's going on here. He says, the farmer planting the seeds, sorry, the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have satan come at once and take it away the seed on the rocky soil that represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy but since they don't have deep roots they don't last long they fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing god's word The seed that fell among the thorns, that represents others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil, that represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted You see, Jesus knew it was important for the disciples to get this one. He knew that he was only going to be with them himself for three years, and very quickly, before they even realized it, it would be their responsibility to be the sowers of seed. They were going to go out and start to communicate around the, the world of the time about Jesus and his love and God and how he sent Jesus to die and how he rose again. And This was going to be the seed that the disciples themselves would be sowing. And he knew that they had to be prepared because there would be rejection. There would be times where they would share this message that had transformed their lives. And it made such a difference to them. And they just—they don't understand, why aren't you getting this? It's changed who I am. It's the truth. It's made such a difference. And, and people would reject it. And he was preparing them in the way that a farmer plants seed is that sometimes this will happen. But sometimes this will happen. Because he knew they would be sowing the seed. In fact, I got thinking about this message this week as a pastor who who spends many hours speaking and preparing to sow seed on a Sunday morning. How encouraging it was to know that only 25% of it is going to do any good. But the truth is, I don't think the math works that way. I don't think Jesus is saying, it's going to be an even split. One, two, three, four. All the ones go stand over there. All the fours, fours, we love you. Ones, you're out. I don't think it was an even split like that. I think many people... Hear the seed, and I think many receive it, and many have transformed lives, but I think Jesus was preparing his listeners, the disciples, and us today as people who want to share the love of Jesus to our friends and our neighbors. Maybe you're here this morning, and Jesus has transformed your life, and you just want to tell people about it, and you can't understand why some people you tell aren't getting it. Maybe you kind of doubted yourself, am I doing this wrong? Am I, am I not communicating clearly? Am I crazy in what I believe? But actually, Jesus is saying, sometimes you will sow this seed, you'll scatter this seed, and it'll fall on hard ground. It'll fall on hard ground, and it'll be rejected. So I think Jesus is preparing uh, the sowers of seed there to say, listen, there's going to come a time where some will respond differently. The other thing is, not only is it an even split between all four, it's not the end of the story. I know in my own personal life, I can remember times as a teenager who wasn't serving God, who was, who was kind of rebelling against God. I would go along to maybe a church meeting, my parents would take me along to a church meeting or something, and I can remember the speaker would speak, and it was like seed falling on hard ground. Because at that moment, I wasn't ready. I didn't want anything to do with this. But there came a time later in my teenage years where that seed landed, and it took root, and it's grown. So I realize that this isn't a one, one and done kind of thing, that there is a time sometimes where the seed will respond this way, but there's also a time where it may respond differently in the same person's life. So let's finish off this morning by looking at these four different types of soil, and let's look at it through our own perspective here this morning. It's great to think of Jesus speaking to the disciples and what it meant to them, but this morning, I want to look at our lives. I want to look at what it means to us this morning. You see, I don't think this this parable is called the parable of the sower. I don't think it should be called the parable of the sower. I think it should be called the parable of the soil. Because the reality is, this, this isn't on the sower. The sower does all that he can. He sows the same seed. The different outcomes had nothing to do with the sower and nothing to do with the seed. It was all to do with the soil, wasn't it? It's where that seed landed that determines the kind of plant that it produced, and that soil represents our heart. You know, if you want to think of this more as less of a picture and more as a mirror, that soil that Jesus is talking about—that's reflecting. That's that's our heart. When we hear the words taught, when we hear about Jesus, when we hear about how much he loved us. Last Sunday, Easter Sunday, when we hear that Jesus died and rose again, a a cruel, wicked death on a cross because he loved us so much. And because he's just desiring to have this relationship with us. He wants us to love him too. He wants to be a part of our lives. When we hear that, it's like seed being thrown into the soil of our hearts. And the condition of our hearts at that time, the condition of the soil at that time, will determine what happens with that seed. We found out, didn't we, that the first is rock hard. The people of Jesus' time would have been very familiar with this kind of soil. In, in, in fields like that, there would be paths that would go through them. And as they are being trodden down by people and animals, that soil would just become rock hard. And if any seed fell on that soil there, it was just wasted. It may as well have just landed on concrete. That's how hard that soil was. And Jesus says, some people's hearts, they're like that. They're just rock hard. They're just not ready to receive. Maybe you're here this morning, and maybe you're still like, ah, I'm coming because my wife wants me to come, or I'm coming because my kids want me to come, but I'm just, I'm just not sure I'm ready for this. And as you look at those soils this morning, maybe you'd say, you know, that's probably the closest to me. That's kind of where I'm at right now. You speak, and I hear people talk about this, but it's just like it's bouncing off of my heart. Maybe you can remember a time when, when your heart was like that. It was just rock hard. My prayer for you this morning is that God would soften your heart, that you'd allow him that, that, that soil to become soft. Maybe something's happened. Maybe something has happened in a previous church or in a situation in your life, and that's kind of caused the hardness to be there. I pray that God would soften that hardness, God would soften that heart that that seed may come in. The second is the soil that was shallow. Now those in that environment, those here in Jesus' story, they'd have known all about that soil. In Palestine, much of the land was, was kind of this two or three inch veneer of soil that was over the top of this, this big limestone bedrock. So they would see this happen very often, that a seed would fall fall there and the warm sun would quickly heat up the seed in this shallow soil and they would sprout straight away in feverish growth. But then the sun would continue to beat down. And because the plant's roots had met the bedrock and could go no further, they would very quickly wither and die. So people got this. When Jesus was talking about the kind of soil that caused the plants to sprout very quickly, but then die, they could picture this. And Jesus is saying, for some of you, that's how it'll be when the seed lands in your heart. You'll be very excited to hear this message. There'll be an emotional response. There'll be an an immediate life change. This is wonderful. I never knew Jesus loved me. I never knew he'd. this has changed my life. And there's an instant emotional response. But I've seen this happen. I've seen this happen with friends. I've seen this happen with church. I've been a part of people who, who have been very radically changed. They've had an encounter with Jesus, and their lives have changed. And I believe it was genuine. But within weeks or months, they're already kind of falling away, stopping to come. Because there was an the immediate emotional response, but there was never really a chance for those roots to go down deep. We talk about that here at Connect. We challenge and say, listen, we'd love to see you get connected here at Connect. It might be joining a small group, or it might be serving in some capacity and and getting to know other people here and and getting connected. Maybe it's gathering with some ladies or gathering with some guys and doing a Bible study or, or whatever it is, something that will help those roots go down deep because that emotional response is great, but unless we're doing something that's allowing the roots to go down deeper, pretty soon... Like this seed will wither and die. So maybe that's your heart this morning. Maybe that's the one you kind of relate to. You're not the hard soil, but you realize, man, I'm not sure how deep my roots are. I need those roots to go deeper because otherwise, eventually, like the sun killing those plants, this will die in me. You know, the third one is the seed that took root and grew well at first, but then the worries and desires of the things of this world, they choked it. And this is probably the toughest one for all of us as followers of Jesus this morning. Because really, for so many of us, it's so real. It's so real, isn't it? We have this, this, this radical transformation, and we believe that Jesus is who he said he is, and we want him to be our Lord and our Savior, we want him to be a part of our life. And we've even made steps to get connected so that we can see those roots go deeper, because we, we really want to see that relationship with him grow. And we love Jesus, and we want to keep our eyes fixed on him and him alone. But then you know what? Worries of the world start to creep in, don't they? Maybe the the lure of wealth, the desires of the world, they start to draw our attention a little bit. And even though we're determined to have our love focused on Jesus, other things can creep in. It's kind of like the heart of the girl to which a young man proposed. He said, darling, I want you to know that I love you more than anything else in the world. I want you to marry me. He said, I'm not rich. I don't have a huge house like Jim Smith or a Mercedes like Jim Smith, and I don't get to go on exotic vacations like Jim Smith does, but I do love you with all my heart, and I want to be your husband. What say you? She thought for a minute, and she replied, I love you with all my heart too. But tell me more about this Jim Smith. And the truth is, we can be in love with God, but suddenly we're kind of tempted. You know, it's like, oh, wait. (laughs) All the worries of the world and just the busyness of life and just some of the chaos that comes around. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, hey, the soil was good. The heart was good. The seeds took root. It's, It's growing strong. But then that thing happened. You were hit by that blow, and then there was another blow. And just before you even had a chance to recover from the first one, another thing came along, and suddenly you, you feel like the, the plant that's just being choked out. Our heart is with God, but it can be so easily swayed. So don't let your heart be swayed too far away, or else you'll be in danger of being the seed that was choked out by the things of this world, the, the desires or the worries of this world. But finally... There was some good soil, wasn't there? It was the seed that landed there that didn't just grow, but it produced seed of its own. And this is the beauty of this parable. This is the part of the story I love the most. This is the, the mirror moving to the window. It's the idea that God is saying, listen, not only did the seeds take root in good soil, and not only did it grow healthy and strong, but it actually produced seed of its own. Because that's how nature works, isn't it? The plants grow, and, and then they pollinate, and then the, the seeds grow, and then other plants grow. And this goes on and on, and 30 and 60 and 100 times more. God put this into nature, knowing that actually, in our spiritual lives, this would happen too. That the sign, the, the, the way to determine whether a plant is healthy or not is whether it's producing other plants. I wish I had time to tell all the stories this morning, but I often get texts or emails from from folks here at Connect who will tell me the story of how they found their way to this church, how they found their way into a relationship with Jesus. And Many of them, my neighbor told me about this. I talked to this family on the sidelines of the the soccer field, the baseball field, and they told me about this Connect church, and I'd heard about it, so they invited me. I thought I'd come along, and now I'm serving Jesus as a result. I've been baptized. I've invited my friend and it's like good seed, reproducing good seed as people start to share. And that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the mark of a good plant, isn't it? That it's reproducing itself in others. You see, it was never Jesus' job to reach everyone. You imagine if it had been Jesus' job to communicate the message and it was all on his shoulders, there would be a limit to how many people physically he could reach. And he knew that. So he sat down one day with a crowd of people and his disciples and said, listen, it's it's like a farmer sowing seeds. Because there's going to come a time where you're going to sow seeds. And the seeds that you sow, they're going to grow, and then, then they're going to sow their own seeds. This was the story that Jesus was telling This is why when he he died and rose again, he left with us the Holy Spirit so that all of us under his power can now be the sower of seeds ourselves, sharing the difference that Jesus has made in our lives. A plant grows and produces seeds, and those those seeds produce more plants that produce more seeds that produce more plants. So what's the condition of your soil this morning? As we move from the picture to the mirror, maybe I should... Shine it back down (laughs) as it reflects that truth in our lives this morning. What's the condition of the soil of our hearts? That's my prayer this morning is that you'll um, leave this morning having heard this story. But the genius of Jesus is that 2,000 years later, this story that Jesus told from a boat in a lake in Palestine is still challenging us today we're still thinking about that story that Jesus told. And we're still leaving with a question in our hearts. What is the condition of the soil in my heart? Is it hard? Is there something I could do about it? That friend of mine, that, that relative who I've been talking about with Jesus, and it just seems like every time I so seed, it just bounce off. Am I, am I praying enough that God would soften their hearts? Am I praying enough that God would prepare the soil in their lives to receive the seed at the right time? Was mine an emotional response? Did the seed take root very quickly? And I'm, I'm super excited about Jesus and all that he's doing, but really my roots haven't gone deep yet. I don't want to be a plant that sprouts up very quickly and then dies. Have I been following Jesus for a long time here, but now I'm realizing that there's some stuff going on in my life. There's just some things in the world that are causing me to, to my first love to be taken away just a little bit. God, change the condition of the soil that my eyes would be fixed back on you. Or am I here this morning? The soil was good. The seeds took root. And now I'm reproducing as I tell my friends and my neighbors about Jesus. What's the condition of your heart this morning? Let's pray. Jesus, as we work through this series, we're going to see that it was just genius, the way you came up with these stories to tell, these stories that are still 2,000 years later transforming lives, these stories that were more than just a picture, more than just a mirror. They were a window into the very nature of God himself. We can see God in these stories, and we can see ourselves reflected back. So, in the light of this story this morning, the parable of the soil, every one of us has soil in our lives. Every one of us, our heart is made up of one of the types of that soil. Jesus, wherever we find ourselves in those four groups this morning, I pray that we would uh, do whatever it takes to move closer to that final group where the plant took root and it grew healthy and strong and reproduced in others. Help us with this, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.